Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Here we share information about farm practices, pulse markets, research outcomes, market development efforts, and much more. My name is Amanda Carlson, and I am the Communications Manager with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Sarah Anderson, who is the Agronomy Manager with SPG. Sarah, thanks for joining us today. We want to find out how harvest is shaping up across Saskatchewan this year, specifically looking at pulse crops. Let's first start by looking back at the 2022 growing season. What were some of the challenges that growers in Saskatchewan faced? Yeah, thanks, Amanda. I think it's difficult to sort of encapsulate all the challenges and and maybe good things across the provinces as a whole. As we headed into the season, we had two very different seasons regionally. We had certainly far too wet in some regions and far too dry in others. So that has sort of been a bit of a theme throughout the growing season as well. There's just a lot of variability environmentally and, uh, and sometimes in fairly close proximity. I think also heading into the season, you know, we were we were dealt the, the aftermath of last year of the 2021 growing season. So we had herbicide carryover issues that led us to have some rotational challenges. So just finding out, you know, where was the best place to even put our pulses, coupling that with, you know, the, the crop input story. So um, rising expenses and supply chain issues that was already, you know, well underway before the, the season officially kicked off and then followed by some of that environmental. And um, and then again, environmental variability through the season. So we have pockets that, you know, maybe maybe got hit by uh, a hailstorm or two or three and some, you know, knock on wood relatively unscathed. So that, that's going to definitely kind of follow through for, for the rest until harvest and, and influence timing as, as well as um, maybe crop production in those areas too. I think it advancing a little bit more through the season, uh, uh, definitely another grasshopper year. We had some insight that that might be the case after last year. We had some really high uh, populations, lots of egg laying, and then just some some good uh, consistent conditions for them. So again, not everywhere in the province, but certainly fairly widespread where we have some really high grasshopper densities. And having that, that it was, you know, early in the season, kind of continuing on through very late. So that was uh, an insect that certainly hit thresholds early uh, as well, just high populations quite early. And then growers have been battling them kind of throughout the season. So harvest hopefully will be a nice reprieve from the insects at least. Getting into a a slightly later season insect, but generally I would say that the the sentiment is that it showed up quite a bit earlier than we were expecting by by a few weeks, um, is uh, PA fed population. So we've seen big explosions of those almost all throughout the province, uh, starting in our peas and lentils and now moving into our faba bean production. Disease probably a little bit, you know, maybe not our, our most widespread disease year, but but certainly had some hot spots. Um, anthracnose and lentil comes to mind in certain regions of the province, uh, seeing more density and frequency of that disease. Also, root rot rearing its head again. I, th- I think we had a little bit of a reprieve from it last year. So finding it in, in those areas that kind of coupled up with uh, susceptible pulse crops and moisture crops. And then last but not least, and this is maybe a niche issue to some of our growers, but we've talked about it before, um, the chippy health issue. Um, So certainly kind of tracking that again this season. And again, it it was also fairly variable uh, in terms of when it showed up, uh, showing up a little bit later than we typically expected this year, but certainly giving us some more things to consider, I guess, with that. I I won't dive too too deep into that, just to put a plug out there that... um, 
yeah, we have been seeing that issue again and, and continue to monitor it um, as well as collaborate with industry and researchers on that issue. And so again, quite variable across the chickpea uh, growing region. So a little bit of a synopsis, not a deep dive into every uh, field situation. Thanks. What are the things that growers need to be doing or planning to do now that harvest has started? Yeah, I don't want to be flippant and kind of say everything, but it's really harvest is kind of that finale and very important finale of the growing season. So our growers are under a lot of pressure to not only get something off timely. So obviously grain in the field is potential yield, um, whereas when it's in the bin, we can count on it. So keeping that top of mind, growers uh, really aren't resting on their laurels at, at this time of year. And of course, then you know, keeping those combines running as efficiently as possible. And this takes operational logistics, but of course, agronomy as well, too. So, you know, this answer kind of is also going to depend uh, where the where the growers are listing from right now, because, again, we have sort of two two very different growing seasons that are happening in various regions of the province. So maybe those growers in the north that are actually a little ways away from harvest, uh, there's still some some flowering that's happening on on some of those crops uh, that way. They might be a little bit focused on sort of late disease infection, um, but especially also in, insect scouting at this time of year. Whereas for the areas that have started harvest or maybe the harvest is right around the corner, that's where they're really going to get into yeah, prepping to, uh, to actually uh, get that, that grain in the bin, so to speak. So that's going to be a lot of uh, crop staging, possibly for a pre-harvest or desiccation applications or even just direct combine if, if they don't need to make those applications. And I think that in and of itself has quite a few different planning layers as well. So they're, you know, first of all, going to need to, if they are using a, a pre-harvest or a desiccation product, they're going to need to be planning what products they're going to use. And so that has to take a lot of the boxes as well, too. Is it registered? Is it going to be accepted by the buyer? And then, you know, last but certainly not least, is it actually going to be the right ag agronomic tool for what you're wanting to ac accomplish with that harvest management? So right tool for the weed spectrum and also environmental conditions of the field, the timing that you're going to apply it at, um, you know, is it early stage harvest? Is it last stage harvest? Again, those decisions are probably not whole farm uh, decisions. So product choice that's appropriate for one field or one crop might not be uh, appropriate for, for another on the same farm. So again, really depending on the region and the crop, um, the, the right answer might be no harvest management uh, aid at all, and that's certainly okay too. So those are some of the initial things that growers are are certainly planning at this time of year and, and agronomists out doing some of that staging and, and recommendations. And then the harvest management timing itself is going to be the next uh, consideration. So, for example, pre-harvest glyphosate timing um, is when grain moisture is 30% or lower. A little bit hard to uh, assess that. But in a lentil crop, for example, that's, you know, you're looking to see about 80% of that plant being yellow to brown, really, really starting to make that that senescent turn. Seeds from the top third of the, the plant are fully formed and firm, so they're not really juicy when you when you squeeze them. Um, seeds in the bottom third are hard, uh, brown, and they'll get that distinctive rattle if you pick the plant and, and shake them. So that's sort of some of the cues that you're looking for uh, across the field. Um, and then finally, the proper application in general of these products. So that's where some of the agronomic efficiencies come in. We want to 
time it appropriately from a physiological staging uh, perspective, but also apply it under the conditions recommended for that product. So for example, products containing the desiccant diquat are ones that you want to apply at night, for example. Um, growers also, like any crop protection products, um, need to f- familiarize themselves with best use practices. So water volumes and potential tank mix partners, as well as uh, checking the label for pre-harvest interval lengths. So those are just a few things, and I, I'm sure I've missed a, a few, but yeah, really right now, uh, growers are doing a little bit of everything, just trying to wrap up the season. That's a long list. I wanted to talk a little bit about the harvest grain sample program. Usually this time of year that we start to see information come out and sort of a call to action to participate. Can you explain how that works and what benefits producers could see by participating? Yeah, for sure. The Harvest Sample Program is a voluntary program and it's led by the Canadian Grain Commission. So it's it's voluntary, open to all Canadian grain producers. And the Canadian Grains Commission or the CGC have inspectors that will provide those growers with an unofficial grade and quality results at no charge for each sample that's submitted. The process to kind of enroll yourself in this program is pretty straightforward. Um, you can go to, to grainscanada.gc.ca and, and navigate to the harvest uh, grain sample program from there. And so if you enroll, so I'd encourage anyone to sign up, I think it's open for, for sign up right now, is uh, before your harvest, ideally, um, sometimes some of these apple bags will, will sort of come as things have started if you're a little bit late to the sign up. But the CGC will send you a kit and that includes your harvest sample identification number and postage paid envelope. So, uh, again, everything is sort of uh, free of uh, charges as long as you kind of sign up for it. So with that, the, the growers will need to fill in the envelopes um, with the representative samples. And, and mail them back to the CGC. So there'll be instructions in that kit. And then the samples are assessed by the CGC and they'll email the results to the grower once they're completed. So yeah, we have, you know, our, our, our buyers will certainly do uh, grain grading for us. So this maybe feels like an extra step, but I, I think there is, you know, some good reasons to, to participate on a whole. Again, no cost to sign up. Um, everything is, is prepaid for you. It's another assessment, uh, you know, kind of almost a third party unbiased assessment of your grain sample. It is an unofficial grade, um, but uh, going through all the same uh, grain standards and uh, grading recommendations from there. So you'll have a, some early insight on your grains grade and dockage based on the samples that are submitted. And then that, you know, I think from a from an overall data perspective, that's where maybe there's some really good things to glean on a whole uh, across the whole program. So that crop quality information is published and based on the analysis of the producer's harvest samples, they're built into reports. And so those reports help marketers promote domestic and international sales of Canadian grain. The samples are also used by the Canadian Grains Commission uh, to establish and evaluate the effectiveness of grading factors and to determine if grain stand need to be changed. So yeah, it's a really useful uh, methodology to be able to submit samples to that program and kind of keep our our grades, uh, grading factors and grain standards up to par. And then the sample analysis also feeds into future research on grain quality and grain safety issues. Yeah, so so one one sample submission does go a long way and, and would certainly encourage anyone to uh, to sign up for for the harvest sample program. There's also a new sample submission program SPG is running through Pulse Canada. 
the glyphosate testing program. Can you explain this initiative? Yeah, for sure. So this is uh, relatively new and a little bit more focused on a specific issue versus the Harvest Sample program. Where SPG is working with Pulse Canada to facilitate a confidential and free uh, glyphosate residue testing uh, program for farmers and agronomists. So I think that everyone is aware that crop protection products, you know, specifically pre-harvest glyphosate, are heavily scrutinized uh, domestically and internationally. In recent years, there's really been an increased attention towards maximum residue limits or MRLs and the role that they play to indicate proper use of crop protection products, including glyphosate. So Pulse Canada has developed a program to, again, provide that free and confidential glyphosate residue testing for farmers and agronomists, just to to act as another tool to ensure the proper application timing of pre-harvest glyphosate for pulse crops. If an MRL exceedance is observed, and again, based on previous data, our expectation is that's pretty rare. We have growers that are, are making these applications at the right time, right place and right use pattern. Um, but, but Pulse Canada and, and as well as uh, SPG can help provide support to ensure that future applications of that pre-harvest glyphosate were applied at the correct application timing, you know, to, invo- to avoid these unacceptable residues in the harvested grain in the future. So for more details, and we are you know, just rolling it out uh, kind of hot off the press right now, but or to sign up, feel free to reach out to the SBG agronomy team, including myself or Megan Reed. Or you can also reach out to Greg Bartley, who's the director of crop protection and crop quality with Pulse Canada. And uh, yeah, we'll be circulating a little bit more information on it as well. So so keep watch for your inboxes for that. Thanks, Sarah. As harvest proceeds, growers need to keep in mind the importance of their product being export ready. What are some of the key points from the Keep It Clean campaign that we can end on today? Yeah, for sure. So I I think everyone is sort of aware of the Keep It Clean campaign, but would just like to uh, briefly introduce it. It's a joint initiative of the Canola Council of Canada, Cereals Canada, uh, Pulse Canada, and the Prairie Oak Growers Association. And this initiative really works to provide growers and agronomists with resources to ensure that their crops are market, market ready. So if there's any listeners who want to do a deeper dive on Keep It Clean or Keeping Your Pulses uh, Export Ready, I would certainly invite them to revisit our podcast episode from June, uh, where we sat down with Greg Bartley to discuss it in in quite a lot more detail. But I think, yeah, with that in mind, just a few, you know, couple couple key points or, or categories, I guess, that I think if growers kept these in mind, they tick a lot of the, the boxes. Knowing what products are registered for use but also which products have market acceptance. So very key that both of these criteria are met. Um, We have to have them both registered, but also acceptable by the market. So growers and agronomists can find this information summarized on the Keep It Clean website under the product advisory. So it's really um, encouraged that everyone look there before making any product applications or, or even purchase decisions. Again, just because it may be registered doesn't mean it's accepted. So double checking with your buyer before applying any harvest aids is always a really good practice. And uh, then, you know, there's active ingredients such as glufosinate. That one comes to mind um, where we may have registration on it in uh, certain crop types. But there's a very clear market indication that crops receiving harvest management applications of products containing glufosinate will be rejected. So simply put, do not apply glufosinate-based products as harvest aids in your pulses. 
And then the other thing you touched on it already, but uh, application according to the label. So this kind of, you know, covers covers the live basis, but uh, agronomic efficiencies, which we mentioned and best use practices. Um, but again, really paying attention to the pre-harvest intervals, um, also the PHIs, uh, so that growers are not harvesting too early or earlier that may risk exceedance of the maximum residue limits on the seed. Uh, similarly, using the label to guide the application uh, rate as well as timing, again, so we don't run into those MRL issues. I think if we can kind of keep those two big buckets in mind of uh, applying according to label and applying registered and market accepted products, I think we cover cover quite a lot of the high notes of the Keep It Clean campaign. Excellent information, Sarah. Well, that wraps up our discussion today. I want to give a big thank you to Sarah for joining us and thank you to everyone for tuning into this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss upcoming episodes. To stay up to date with SPG, you can subscribe to our mailing list on our website. We send regular updates, keeping you informed on global markets, new technologies, and trends in Pulse production. Thank you for tuning in to Pulse to the Prairies podcast.